This is the game of life. Welcome to the game of life, the mentoring podcast and community conversation. I am pleased to have with me today, uh, Diana Abril. Uh, incredible. Uh, not only is she an alumni, uh, big, but alumni Impact Circle member. And I want to give you a little bit of information on Diana. Uh, she's an executive with 16 years of legal and business experience, having worked in the corporate and uh, M&A department of AmLaw 200. We want to talk about that. And as general counsel of two medium-sized companies, one of which was publicly traded. In February of 2020, Diana founded a real law, PLLC, to focus on child advocacy and special education law. I am pleased to have with me today as your host, Gail Nelson, the one and only Diana Abril. How are you, my dear? Hi, Gail. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love your organization. And I, as you mentioned, I have a little bit of a history with it. So I'm so happy to be here. Let's talk about you know, what, what you did uh, back in the day, if you will, uh, in terms of Big Brothers, Big Sisters and your involvement. Let's start there. Sure. So I started out as a mentor when I was a young lawyer, um, and then I moved into um, the Impact Circle uh, as a member of the Impact Circle, uh, serving the organization as a young professional. And for those of you that are listening today, the Impact Circle is our young professionals group, and it allows folks uh, to, and you're still young, Diana, so I mean, you talk about when you were young, so that's all right, but nevertheless, uh, if you are a young professional looking to get involved and make a big difference, Impact Circle is the way to go. Great networking opportunities and a, sh a special shout out to another Impact Circle alum, uh, Tina Vanderven, whom you met in Impact Circle, correct? I did. I did. I still have some of those relationships from back when. And uh, Tina, she's she's amazing. So I'm, I'm so happy she put me in touch with you. Absolutely. So thank you, Tina, for all that you do. Uh, let's talk about one of the best jobs in the world, and that's being a parent. And so many of our the parents of our littles, Diana, uh, struggle with the red tape and the bureaucracy and just the hurdles just to get help for their children and to understand some of the nuances of, of systems. So tell me about your work in child advocacy and why it's so important. Yeah, so I, um, I have three young children myself. Um, my middle child, my, uh, one of my sons, um, is on the autism spectrum. Uh, so I kind of got involved in child advocacy as a result of my personal experience and the interest I developed in it, um, advocating for him. So I certainly understand the struggle of, of all parents, um, and, um, you know, uh, gaining the knowledge that you need to be able to properly advocate is, is not easy. Nobody gives you a handbook and tells you go here, um, go there. Um, so you kind of have to do that yourself um, so that you know what your rights are and so that you know how to properly advocate. So I, you know, uh, having a legal background, you know, you may think that that was something that came a lot easier for me, but it, it really didn't. Um, it's something that's hard for all parents and, and especially for parents um, who have, you know, more challenging circumstances as well. So um, that's kind of how I got involved and it's, it's, it's become a passion of mine since. So that's awesome. And in terms of learning and education, uh, here we are in April, Autism Awareness Month. How prevalent is autism in the United States? 
So um, I think, you know, it kind of changes from year to year. It's been increasing for, for many years now, but um, as it stands, it's I think one in every 54 children um, is on the spectrum. And uh, I think it affects, um, it, it, um, it's more prevalent, about four times more prevalent in boys than in girls. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with um, misdiagnosis um, in girls because it does um, look different. And so it, it, it seems that that difference is, is more related to misdiagnosis than, than anything else. And for those who are listening that may not know what autism is, tell us a bit about what autism is all about. So, um, you know, there's the medical definition, which, which I think defines it as a, as a neuro, um, neurological um, disorder. I, I don't necessarily like to use that word, but that's how the, the medical field, um, you know, defines it. I think it's more um, about having a different neurotype. So, you know, most of us are neurotypical. There are those that are um, neurodiverse. And so autism is kind of part of that. Okay. And as we think about relationships, uh, and you know, big brothers, big sisters, as you know, uh, is in the relationship business. And as we continue to discuss uh, relationships, uh, what uh, specific tips do you have for folks who uh, deal with autistic, either maybe students, maybe peers, it may be just in the general community, and especially now, Diana, and as we go a little deeper and uh, sadly, as we look at the news, as we look at what's happening in social justice, even in the context of law enforcement, when you come into contact with someone or deal with someone uh, who's on the spectrum, there are some things we need to be aware of. So what specific tips do you have uh, to you can help us with? And as we talk during this incredible month, and it's every day, uh, when we think about certain months for certain things, I get it. But at the end of the day, uh, not only do I love blue. Uh, and you look good in blue, sister. And I got my blue chair here too. As you can see, I'm matching you today for a minute. I'm in my blue chair. But what specific tips can you share to help us uh, in terms of dealing with folks who may have autism? Yeah, it's so important. But um, so there's a saying, and um, it's uh, if you know one person with autism, you know one person with autism. So, you know, the spectrum is so wide. And everybody is so different. Everybody has different challenges and different strengths. Um, so, you know, I, I really do believe that, that that's true. So it's kind of difficult to kind of, you know, put, put boundaries around that. But um, I would say you have to come with an open heart and an open mind. Uh, treat, uh, treat, treat them as you would treat anybody else. Um, but understand that, you know, their mind does work different. And so... You have to be able to kind of, you know, especially in law enforcement and um, and and as, as first responders, I think they there needs to be a lot more training around identifying a person that's neurodiverse when you come in contact with them and maybe having, um, you know, certain strategies to dealing with them and even de-escalating certain situations. Um, you know, I I think about that a lot as as a mom. Um, because you know some 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 of them may struggle with language, so they may not understand directions that are being barked at them. Some of them, um, it takes a little bit longer to process, so they may understand what you're saying, but it may take a little bit longer to respond. Uh, some people may struggle with um, following directions or 
or imitating. So, you know, if you say, hold your hands up or, or, or you're giving somebody directions, they may, they may not be able to do that, especially in a moment that may be a tense moment or a moment of stress. So I think training is incredibly important. Um, but I think above all, it's just treating somebody with dignity and respect that you would um, anyone else. Isn't that something when, it, when it's all said and done, you meet people where they are. And exactly. as a black man, I don't want to be treated any different. Just treat me with respect and dignity. Uh, as a woman, uh, you should be treated with respect and dignity. And so if you deal with someone that's on the spectrum, you recognize, okay, they may process things differently. But that does not mean that something's quote unquote wrong with them. It's just different. Kids learn differently. We all learn differently. I mean, I like if I see it, Diana, I got it. I'm a visual learner. But if somebody were just to sit and talk to me, that doesn't mean I'm any less intelligent. So such a powerful um, message. And we're here with Diana Grill, uh, alumni of Big Sister, alumni uh, Impact Circle member talking about just really uh, strengthening relationships and dealing uh, with with others as well in a, in a building trust and mutual respect. Having said that, Diana, let me ask you this. Uh, you have an extensive career uh, in the legal realm, extensive career in business. And now somebody along the way mentored you. And what did she or he teach you? Absolutely. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I think the mission of the organization is so important. And I personally have seen the impact of that. Um, I, you know, I'm very lucky to come from, from a family of, 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 full of people that were, you know, served as mentors and role models. Um, they, um, from a very young age pushed, um, you know, education to kind of the forefront as something that was very important. And so I've, I kind of, you know, always, um, believed that. Um, so I had that support at home, but I also had people, other people along the way that really helped me. And, you know, I can think of a few, a uh, few professors and a few teachers uh, while I was at school and, and even um, in college that, you know, saw something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself and kind of pushed me and challenged me. So, uh, you know, I always think of them and I always thank them for putting, for helping me, you know, in this trajectory. Um, I also have in my professional life, um, I had um, a um, uh, a lawyer that helped me when I was a young lawyer. Also, um, he was a more seasoned attorney. Um, I learned a lot from him, and he was a great mentor in many ways. And and also in in my business life as as an in house counsel, um, one of the CEOs that I worked with for a very very long time also was a was a great great um, mentor in in the business world. So I've always you know kind of relied on people along the way, and have been lucky to have. I've come into contact with with these people that I've been able to learn from and and have been able to push me. Isn't that special when it comes to mentorship? It just it's the gift that keeps on giving because uh, not only have you been mentored, but Diana, you are mentoring others as well. Uh, you are helping others along the way as you have, and so it is such a powerful just uh, journey. Uh, our leadership journey. Each and every one of us has had someone who who said, "You know what, Diana, you can." You can do it. You can make it in our family and even outside our family. And that's what I love about just mentorship because folks become family. As you well know, uh, being involved with us, we have bigs and littles that they're family. And they will tell you in a heartbeat, that is my sister. That is my brother. And that's what we need more of in our society. Just building these relationships based on mutual trust, you know, and respect. So I, I love that. Uh, how the professors, the teachers, your family, 
And even those that were more seasoned and experienced uh, just help you along the way. Uh, speaking of helping someone along the way, education. You're a child advocate, not only for your own child, but for children in our community. When you think about educational policies, we talked earlier, Diana, about how everybody learns differently. Uh, what are some educational policies and or even strategies that need to be reviewed or strengthened or uh, just highlighted that can help our kids? And again, I, I don't like using the word disability. How about those who may need some accommodations? I mean, because I think messaging matters as well. So help me. I want to say the right thing. Uh, but I think that's part of building trust and respect. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the word disability. It's not a dirty word. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but, you know, but yeah, certainly that's the point. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's just different. So um, there's so many things I think that um, that could be done better, um, honestly. And in terms of education itself, um, a large part of that is funding. Um, so I think right now there's a lot of discussion about fully funding the IDEA, which is the educational policy that's in place for children with disabilities in public schools. Um, when it was enacted, I think in the 70s, the federal government was supposed to put a large part of the funding up um, and the states were responsible for a portion of it. And what's actually happened is that that's never really played out and it's never been funded by the federal government as it, it was promised from the beginning. And now there's a lot of talk right now of doing that. I think that's that's a huge thing. I think for sure our public schools um, always need more funding and and um, you know a lot of these children have uh, you know uh, many additional needs which which require um, you know proper funding. So that's you know that's one thing I think that's important. Um, I think, you know, for me, I think there needs to be a bigger focus on inclusion. And there's also been, you know, a, a push for that more recently, I think, in the schools. But, you know, in order for inclusion to work, it needs to be done right. Um, there needs to be a lot of training as well, not only for special education teachers, but for general education teachers, because even as a general education teacher, you're going to have many kids in your classroom who are neurodiverse, who have disabilities of various kinds, and you should be trained in that because you're going to have students that, that uh, you know, that, that have those things. Um, and I think, you know, kids need to be taught as well about differences in school um, and, and not only taught, but one of the reasons why I'm a huge inclusion advocate also is because I think that acceptance comes through inclusion. So if our kids are not, are not growing up alongside children with disabilities or not um, studying next to sitting next to children with disabilities at school and the cafeterias and the playgrounds, um, it's going to be a lot harder for them to understand what, what that's about, to understand that that's a normal um, part of, 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 of the world. Um, and so, you know, I'm a huge, huge inclusion advocate. I think that's super important. Um, there's certainly rule, um, a room for a lot, a lot more things, but I, those are some that I, that just come, you know, come to the top of my head when, when we talk about these things. And, um, the training in school also for, you know, I think there's a lot of police in the schools now, um, but I think also there need, those people need to be trained in, in how to deal and how to deescalate, um, you know, children that may have um, behavioral issues and, and, and disabilities that affect them in, 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 in a way, um, in, a, in a way like that, so. Diana, there was something I saw on social media last week that just really, certain things you just read and you look at in this 24-hour news cycle. They just give us pause. And it was a sign 
a series of signs, one on the garage, one on the front door, one, it was like a, a sign by the mailbox. I have an autistic black child. Law enforcement, please uh, understand that he, he processes things differently. Do not shoot. Uh, and so I am you know, obviously pro-police. I'm pro-community. I'm pro-humanity. Yes. So that I just want to go ahead and give some context to that. But right. it, this was a mother who just wanted her child to just be himself and to let others know that I have a child on the spectrum. Please be advised. It, it, although different in terms of processing, please use the sensitivity and the humanity and treat him with dignity. And that's exactly what you're saying. Even in a classroom with inclusion, with an education, uh, if these, if the kids are always made to feel like you're different and you're, oh, you're over here, but the quote unquote normal kids, we have to be so careful, don't we? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, I totally understand the concerns of that mother. When you have a child with this, with a disability, there's so many more things that you have to worry about. And in the current, you know, climate, you know, um, I think that's certainly something to be to be very, very mindful of. Um, you know, I, I have a child that may not respond to directions or, may, you know, when when you're asking them to do certain things and, and all of that, my, my son is very young. But um, but, you know, those are the things people worry about, that the police may contact may come in contact with somebody and they're not responding either verbally or, or in terms of commands. And, you know, the police may not understand that that's just somebody that's you know, processing the information differently. It's not that they're being non-compliant or, or, or not, you know, following orders, but um, it's just part of part of how the disability affects them. So, and it's conversations like this that we share with our community to just remind everyone that we're in this together. To remind everyone that certainly these are some trying times, but when I am encouraged, encouraged because of people like you, Diana, because child advocacy is real. And just so you know, within our community of bigs and littles. We have some littles who are on the spectrum. I've seen the bigs work with the parents. One in particular, just so patient and listens and observes and is there to help the mom who reached out to us who needed some help. And so as you think about our bigs and littles, and certainly you're part of the Big Brothers, Big Sisters family, what is your message as we close out our conversation to all the bigs and littles and the families about child advocacy and just being there for our children, although some may process things differently. I love that neurodiverse. Diverse, diverse is nothing to ever run away from. It should be embraced. So what is your message to our big brothers, big sisters, to your big brothers, big sisters family about child advocacy and community? That's right. Um, I would just say keep at it. Um, you know, it, it truly does take a village. Um, and, um, you know, these kids need, uh, need mentorship, they need support, they need to see people that are either like them, um, or that understand and accept them for, for who they truly are. So, you know, just keep at it. It's, it's great work that you're doing. Many families do need, could use the support, you know, a lot of, a lot of, these kids, unfortunately, don't have a lot of friends. They may socialize different than, than a typical child. So, um, you know, any support and, and, and any friendship that, that can be, you know, sort of um, sent their way, I think, I think is amazing. So just keep at it. You're doing great work. 
Well, Diana, it, I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Uh, as we say on the show, in the game of life, everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. And you, you played well, my sister. Keep doing what you're doing, advocating for our children and being an awesome, awesome mom as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all you do in, in our community. You got it. This is the game of life.